Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Oh, it's all good. We can get married now. Oh, yeah. There's no problems going on in the world whatsoever with us being LGBTQ. Oh, yeah. That bathroom law stuff. It's never going to... Wait. Not exactly, folks. Hold on, because the Rocky Ride looks like it could be coming our way once again. But happy Pride. Let's go out and celebrate with Pride. And let's remember, just be ourselves, because the more we're ourselves, the more we're going to piss some people off. And that's why we do what we do. No, it's not all the reason why we do what we do. But there's beauty in showing up because it raises the question, hmm, we're wrinkling some feathers. Maybe those feathers need to get wrinkled and some asses need to get kicked. And that's where we're going today. I have an amazing guest who actually helps us kind of ruffle those feathers around our lovely little country. Her name is Fran Hutchins. She is with Equality Federation, and I can't wait to introduce you to her and everything that she does. And I love that she's just kind of one of those people who's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go make a difference. I'm going to like, you know, kind of kick some booty in different places. And she's been doing this for a while. I love what Equality Federation is doing, and I can't wait for her to explain like all the beautiful things that they're trying to do in the world. So Fran, welcome to the podcast and happy pride. Rick, happy pride. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Hey, so Minneapolis, like when is pride in Minneapolis typically? Is it in like the spring, early summer time? Like definitely, definitely in the summer, like most people. Yeah. When I lived in the South that we would do it in, in the fall because it was too hot in summer. But yeah, in Minneapolis, we have pride in, in June. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because as I lived around the country too, it's like, oh, different places like Palm Springs, it's always in the fall. You know, it's too too damn hot to do Pride in June. So so you just woke up, got birth, said, oh, I'm just going to be an equality person. That's kind of how it all happened, right? (laughs) Yeah, it just came right out of of Alabama. uh, Yeah and decided to to fight for lgbtq rights that was that was it no there's a little bit more of a story to it i think um a little bit more of a story to it i've been i like you said i've been doing this a little while my first uh queer activism actually was <gasps> you're queer oh my god you're queer <laughs> oh yeah i should mention yeah i'm queer um okay. yeah that's why that's why i'm here today and why i do what i do but also it's you know like i said it's been a while i've been doing queer activism since uh, 2007. Um, and I started doing voter registration with the LA Center. Uh, and we had a program just to register LGBTQ folks to vote and folks who are allies. Um, and then pretty soon after that, so if you think about the year 2007, uh, 2008 was my very first campaign. And I was um, a super volunteer and kind of like a full-time volunteer on the prop eight campaign in uh, California. So that was my first experience. That seems like so long ago, but yet it really was was so long ago. It was. Yeah. Now you're making me feel old, but uh, hello, I'm 58. So (laughs) I remember, I remember Um, that very clearly because our, let's see, our oldest daughter was in high school at the time. And so we, we were active. We, you know, we'd stand on the 
street corners trying to get everything and tons of stories but i remember one story in particular that she got invited to one of her friends um house for a birthday party and i'm driving her down and i knew they were okay i knew they were mormon i'm like okay i kind of know where they probably stand and as soon as i drove up and it's like oh, there's a there's one of those freaking prop eight signs on their yard i was just i almost like okay keep it cool yeah. rick just keep it cool and even my daughter's like she's like okay bye dad and she's like and she's like, oh I'm like, just keep it cool. Just keep, just it, keep cool. it cool. Yeah. I, I mean, and but... that was a really, really hard one because, you know, I worked at the city full time at the time I was uh, working in public policy around homelessness and it was a pretty big city agency. And I worked, you know, with, um, I was probably about 250 people in our office and that was probably the biggest place I've ever worked. And I remember going in the day after Prop 8 passed. Um, and for those of you who are lucky enough not to know, Prop 8 was a ballot measure that that took away the right to marry from folks in California. Yep. And so it passed making marriages uh, inaccessible again to LGBTQ folks until uh, the Supreme Court decision. And so we, um, I remember going into the office the next day and just thinking, oh my gosh, half of these people could have voted against my ability to get married. And yep. not really knowing who it was and not really knowing who felt how. And, you know, that was actually a really big part of what kept me going in queer advocacy was starting to do some work right after Prop 8, um, where we went around and actually talked to people. We went door to door um, with the center and talked to folks about why they did or didn't vote for Prop 8. And it was really eye-opening for me because there were a lot of people who, you know, no one had ever talked to them. They, you know, they might have known a gay person or uh, a lesbian person, but they'd never had a difficult conversation with that person about why marriage was important. And, you know, they just believed the opposition's arguments about um, actually some things that are, are going to feel really familiar again. Um, they, you know, in, in 2008, they talked about how this was going to make them teach young children about gay sex. And, you know, we're hearing the same thing this, this year yep. in the state legislatures. And so, you know, they, they thought it was just too complicated to explain to kids. And a lot of folks voted against us without really having a conversation about how it would affect um, the LGBTQ people in their lives. And right. so we went around and had these conversations afterward and realized that you know, what we were saying and what we were trying to win, it just wasn't getting through to people. Our message wasn't getting through. And, you well, know, because, I, because they yeah. don't, they don't, they take for granted what they have. Exactly. You no, know? they don't yeah. realize what, I mean, and even in, you know, the whole black lives matter movements and everything else, it's like, of course you don't get it because you've never had to contend right. with some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because I think you're right. I think we're right there again. And this isn't to bring yeah. a downer on pride, everybody. I think this is actually yeah. to actually elevate why yeah. pride could be even more important this year. Yeah. And really come at it from another angle of, yes, let's celebrate, but like, let's like make sure mm -hmm. everything is on the table as we go out there. And exactly. I do feel like part of the, and you know, I didn't get out and advocate as much as I could have at that time. I participated as much as I could, mm -hmm. but I think there's something to be said about, okay, but what if we have conversations? Mm -hmm. Yes. Some people won't talk about yeah. it. We get that. Right. But when I said to friends, like, let me just put this in perspective. You can marry your partner and immediately 
health coverage happens, so -hmm. to speak. You can marry your partner and you never have to worry about what happens when your partner dies and what has to happen when you split up all the stuff when that partner dies. Mm -hmm. These are just little bits. You can have kids together and there's not this whole rigmarole you have to go through to make sure, you know, all this sort of stuff. Right. You know, so it's like, just start putting the real life stuff in place. Yeah. People take it for granted. And I think too, and I will say this, you know, this year when we're looking at the legislative sessions that are happening in the States and all of the laws that were passed and that are, you know, in some States still moving um, to, you know, to discriminate against trans folks and especially trans young people. You know, I think it's important for folks who aren't trans, whether or not they're, they're LGBT or LGB um, or not, you know, I think it's important that we stand with the trans community right now. Um, And I think that it's important that we learn as much as we can about what's going on, because, you know, if it doesn't, like, again, if it doesn't directly affect us, we might not be as uh, likely to to know that it's happening or to understand the impacts that it's having. So, you know, I think that, you know, Prop 8 was a really good example of, you know, we, we didn't have we weren't telling our stories in the same way mm-hmm. that we needed to. And like you're saying, you were talking to your friends. Um, I think a lot of us were too afraid to talk to mm-hmm. our friends. I really, I mean, I have to say, like, I think back with a little bit of shame to that era where I was organizing and I was mostly talking to other queer folks and trying to get them to come in and volunteer. And we were working in West Hollywood. And of course we were calling into other areas of California and having, you know, hearing from people who didn't who didn't agree with us, but I realized that I had not once had one conversation with anyone at my workplace about why this was important to me. They just knew that I left immediately at five o'clock and went and did, you know, a volunteer job, but you know, they didn't know why it was so important to me. Um, And at the time it, you know, it, it it was important to me. My partner was uh, not an American citizen. Uh, We wanted to get married. We ended up not being able to get married in California because of Prop 8. Um, and we ended up getting married in, in Canada, um, you know, and eventually later on when the Supreme Court cases came down, our marriage is now valid all over the country, but it was not, um, it wasn't easy. It was important to us to be able to stay together, like geographically in the same right. place. Um, but I think so, what gets missed at times, and you know, I don't want to make this a whole political discussion, but this is where we're at. So I don't think people really think, uh, and even in our own community, I'm not I'm going to say this, folks, I'm not bashing our community, but sometimes we have to kick our own community in the ass, too. If you don't think trans rights has any effect on you, I think you need to think again, because whatever door they can get in, they will use it, as we're seeing with abortion. And as we've seen with the don't say gay stuff, they'll find the doorway and it could be us next. Yeah. And that's what I don't think people get. Yeah. And like you said, they're, they're really interested in, in continuing to perpetuate this. And we've seen it now this year in, in pretty much every state that is in play for the midterm elections. Um, we see uh, these bills moving, these anti-trans bills or these, um, you know, we, we call them curriculum censorship and school surveillance bills that would restrict what teachers can talk about, whether it's uh, about um, gender identity, sexual orientation, uh, race and racism in our country, um, right. and you know, sex ed, all of that. You know, there's a lot of these bills that are moving. And again, it is really specifically in my mind tied to 
uh, the political game that they're playing to try yep. to to win in the midterms. And I think that, you know, and that's why, you know, that's why Equality Federation exists, right? We are here to track those national trends. You know, it's not just happening in Florida. It's not just happening in Texas. Right. We have, um, you know, this year, you know, just, you know, just in state legislatures across the country, just these um, anti-LGBTQ bills that you've heard about. It's not just those two places. We've had um, almost 300 bills that were filed mm. all across the country that are anti-LGBTQ. Um, you know, and actually about a third of those are anti-trans specifically. Um, and those are the ones that are moving. I'm sure you've heard about uh, the healthcare bans, yep. uh, which would keep young people from accessing gender affirming care, which the medical associations agree is life-saving medical treatment. Um, you know, laws that would prohibit uh, trans young people from school activities. And let's be clear, that's what this is. It's a school activity uh, yeah. to play sports. So it's discriminated against them in school activities. Uh, and, you know, we've, and, and you mentioned the bathroom bills, we've had some of those this year. And it's, you know, it, and, and we've had these bills that would, would restrict uh, teachers uh, and, and schools from talking about certain issues. And so it's Which not I going find away. so interesting, because now let's roll back in the midst of COVID. And all yeah. you heard was, oh, the kids, the kids, this is so unhealthy for them not to be able to be in school and to do this. And it's their mental well-being. I'm like, you fucking assholes, you don't get it. You're doing the same goddamn shit here. You're yep. attacking the same mental health stuff. So once again, oh, well, right. we want to protect, but oh, unless you're this, 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 or this, you know? Right. They and have a really specific I, idea about what, uh, you know, who needs to be protected. Well, right. And the thing is, is, okay. And I flippantly said this, I don't know, recently, I think on a podcast, like, yeah, they, they would love nothing better than, you know, more trans kids to kill themselves and all of us to get up in arms and go, fuck it. It's just not worth living anymore. Yeah. They'd love to see us all just kill ourselves and die off because then they wouldn't have to see us. What they don't get is even if all of us who exist right now that are LGBTQ died off, guess what? The next one's born. It's never going to end folks. It is never going to end. Yeah. So. I mean, and I think that's, that's a, that is a really, uh, clear cut cut and dry way of saying that you know trans people are people like we are you know lgbtq people are people like we exist in this world and they are trying to erase our existence you know i thought about there's this one way i've been thinking about it like i'm just trying to imagine because i'm not trans i'm you know i'm gender queer uh and so i haven't had god i keep forgetting you're queer my god girl <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, I'm not trans, but I'm, I'm trying to remember because, you know, I grew up in the South, I grew up in Alabama and, you know, I was bullied mm. for a lot bless of things. Your, for... Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, I wish they had said bless your heart. Mm. Um, yeah, I was bullied for being Asian. I was bullied for being fat. I was bullied for being queer. Uh, you know, I was bullied for being too athletic, for being mm. not athletic enough. So, you know, I remember uh, middle school and, and high school, it was not my favorite time of life. Um, but I'm trying to imagine, like, I think about, like, what is it like to be a trans kid right now in one of these states where these bills are yep. moving? And, you know, what do trans kids need, right? What do they need? They need the support of their parents. They need access to good medical care. They need yep. access to social activities, like with their friends at school. 
pretty much what every kid needs, but they need these things really specifically. Um, you know, having one supportive adult in uh, in a kid's life reduces the likelihood that they're going to um, have suicidal thoughts. And so they need this support. Well, in Texas, what have they done? They've criminalized parents who are supportive. They've yep. criminalized medical care in num- a number of states now. Um, and they're taking away trans kids' ability to actually participate in school activities with their friends. So they are literally taking away all of the supports that yep. trans kids need to just thrive, to just be people in the world. Uh, and it, like, I, I, I can't see it without seeing the animus um, mm-hmm. that they have towards trans folks. And it makes me really sad because I know that when they get done with this, they'll just move on, right? They'll just move on to the next person yep. that they're going to attack. Yep. Um, you know, they, they act like they care a lot about this, but I think that when it comes down to it, they're just trying to score political points. And I have to yep. say, like, I'm not sure it's an effective strategy if I'm being really honest. Like, I think they think it's an effective strategy, but Republicans are actually split on this. You know, we've seen a number of Republican governors veto these really hateful bills. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, polling that shows us that Republicans, like 60 plus percent of Republicans support anti-discrimination laws. So I'm not sure this is going to play out the way they think it's going to play out. But I do think that they are going to um, get a lot of people riled up about it uh, in order to create that that public discourse. And, you know, unfortunately, I think about like this being Pride Month and how important it is for us to be out there in public, for us to be, you know, be ourselves uh, in front of the world. And how scary it must be to be a trans kid, uh, you know, at this moment and to, you know, to think like, can I actually be who I am out in the world? So. Okay. So let's, let's kind of come to a little bit of a white elephant in the room. I'm part of a community. I'm part of our LGBTQ community, but I just don't feel, I just don't feel safe trying to be supportive and be an advocate. What do you say to those people? Yeah, I mean, it can be scary. And also it can feel really disempowering to see this happening all across the country. And it's hard to know what to do. Like, how can you make a difference? And I mean, I want to say, like, I think that, you know, you having a podcast and having folks on to talk about their lives is makes a huge difference. And I think that for other folks who don't know how to get involved or how to sort of to be an advocate, there are groups all over the country that are what I like to call the sort of political or advocacy home for LGBTQ folks in their states. And so um, Equality Federation is that national network of those groups. So I live in Minnesota right now. And so my group here is called Outfront Minnesota um, and you're in California. And so um, your group is called Equality California. We actually have groups in um, almost 40 states. And so if you go on our website, which is equalityfederation.org, you can find a list of our members and they're doing this work on the ground. They're supporting trans folks and LGBTQ folks um, during legislative sessions. They're going to the state capitol and lobbying. Uh, If you get on their email list and donate, you can actually uh, see uh, what actions you can take. Sometimes it's as easy as leaving a voicemail. Uh, for for an elected official um, or writing an email to an elected official or tweeting at an elected official. Um, And, you know, sometimes it can be about, you know, doing advocacy within your company. Like if you work for a large employer and you see that they haven't taken a position on some of these laws yet, 
you can do internal advocacy at your company um, through your employee resource group, for example, to ask your company to take a position on these laws. You saw um, probably a while ago, Disney um, took a lot of flack actually for not coming yep. out sooner. And it was their employees internally who really called them to, to the carpet on that. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to get involved. And, and if you're like alone, it can be scary. But if you get connected with one of our groups, it can be um, really rewarding. I think we've seen um, one of my favorite stories is uh, in Georgia last year. Yeah, last year, 2021 um, for the runoff campaign. They do a lot of voter engagement and they end up having about 500 people. And again, this was during the height of the pandemic, about 500 people volunteering on zoom calls and meeting each other and getting together and like being a big group of, of friends coming in and making phone calls uh, to voters to educate them about the election and so it's possible to actually get connected and actually find more connection in your community and make a difference so i, I recommend that folks who are looking for something um, to do a way to get connected to advocacy or activism get connected with their state groups and sometimes it's doing something that you are good at that you don't realize the group needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could be a really good organizer, just a good organizer. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to come in and volunteer to like, let's, okay. I'm going to help coordinate teams. I'm going to help coordinate yep. mailings, whatever it may be. Doesn't mean you have to be on the quote, quote, front line in the potentially in the news, being on a TV camera, standing on a street no. corner. I don't want anybody to ever feel like it's got to be that way. Cause there's yeah. those One of us favorite, that will be yeah. that way, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is um, you can sign up to volunteer with a lot of our groups and from your own cell phone or computer can just send text messages to other volunteers and supporters to right. remind them to vote or to remind them to call their legislator. And it's, it's really, it's a quick thing you can do um, that's really rewarding. And, you know, I think you said organizers, I think a lot of people in our community, I don't, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but a lot of people here like to plan parties. Uh, and so, you know, having a house party and actually yep. telling your friends, like what's going on and how they can get involved or donate can be a really powerful thing as well. So I would and just even, say, you know, even that sometimes people are like, oh, well, yeah, but what's my $5 donation going to do? Hey, I'll take $205 donations over you know, a thousand dollar donor sometimes, you know, it's like, exactly, yeah. it's, I mean, yes, there's people who have the money, but they're, it's a lot harder sometimes to get those donors because they're getting hit by everybody. But if you take $5 here, $5 here, five, it doesn't sound yeah. like a lot, but it is a contribution that makes a difference. You know? It can really, it can really add up. And it also, you know, I think that I'll say this, like when I give $5 to a cause and get on their email list, then I learn about what's going on next right. and what's happening. And so it's a really good way to just kind of get plugged in. Um, and I think that we have to, like, I, I like the idea of like, we need multiple $5 donations. We need multiple folks to come in and volunteer for one hour. We need multiple folks to share things on social media and to talk to their friends. And we have to do that because, you know, unfortunately these attacks that are happening on our community right now are not isolated. The, they're a part of a coordinated national campaign that are attacking trans youth, like I said, and, uh, you know, they're coming from some of our, you know, longtime opponents. Like, again, like you mentioned, like, if, if you think, well, I'm not trans, so this doesn't affect me. Well, let's look at who's behind these attacks. It's the Heritage Foundation. It's yep. um, the American Principles Project. It's the Family Association. These are all people that we're very familiar with. Why? Because they were also on the front lines when they were fighting against marriage, against yep. anti-discrimination. 
um, against our ability to foster and adopt children. And so it's all the same opponents. So we've got to get it. We've got to get in there. We've got to get in the game um, and continue to fight, uh, even if they're not coming directly for you know my identity or your identity. And that's the thing. Sometimes we're like, well, they're not coming after me. I mean, I, I mean, I'm. I, I say this all the time, and I know my listeners are like, oh yeah, Rick, we heard this before. I'm gonna keep saying it till I don't have to say it anymore. I can walk down the street. Nobody's gonna know I'm part of the LGBTQ community because I'm a cis white gender guy. Mm-hmm. Pretty dang simple. Now, sometimes yeah. I say, hey, girl, <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> not that I say, hey, girl, a whole lot. I'm not that either. But it's like it's it's one of those things where it's pretty simple. So some of us who have privilege, mm-hmm. I am putting myself in that space, who have privilege. Oh, it's not my problem. It is our problem. I'm not trying to create fear either. I'm just trying to say this is where we have to stay vigilant. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I think that it can be you know, it can be a really rewarding thing to get involved. And it can be scary, but it can also be really rewarding. And I say that obviously as somebody who's been doing this work now for many years, and I am, uh, as I like to say on my my Twitter account, I'm a career queer. Uh, I am, you know, doing this for life probably, uh, or at least working in progressive spaces. Uh, And I have been for many years, but I still like some of my best friends uh, aren't professional activists. They're people who I've gotten connected with through the work. So I have some friends in Massachusetts who are restaurateurs, but who were some of my volunteers on Prop 8. And we've stayed connected now for, uh, I don't know, you said it's been a long time, but however many years that is, we're still the best of friends. Um, And they've enriched my life and they, I can always count on them to be really supportive of whatever we're doing. And, you know, for them, you know, it's not something that affects their life directly every day. But we've gotten connected and, and I think it can just be so rewarding to be a part of that community um, that makes a difference. And, you know, I, I, I do. I, like I said, I, I came I, I joked earlier that I just came out of Alabama as an activist. Right. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it kind of did, you know, living in Alabama when I, in the 90s, which is when I was in high school, um, was, you know, was not the easiest thing. It wasn't. And I didn't become an activist in Alabama. I mostly worked to hide myself as much as possible and to not be uh, open about my identity. Um, I mean, I couldn't hide some things. I couldn't hide like that I wasn't white and I couldn't hide that, uh, you know, that I was like uh, a bigger person, but like I could, I could not talk about my sexuality at church or with my parents' friends. Um, And, you know, eventually I managed to get out of Alabama and started thinking about like, you know, people who were still there, like all my queer friends. And I moved to Chicago and I got, you know, I didn't get involved right away in, in, in LGBTQ activism because, and I think it was still a little bit of that shame um, of being really loud. Um, I was out, but I wasn't an LGBTQ activist. I was an anti-war activist. I was an immigration uh, reform advocate. Um, I worked on housing and homelessness. Um, but I didn't stand up for my community. And it wasn't really until Prop 8 came along that I did that. And, you know, I do, I think some of it was about shame, but, but definitely um, through doing that work, I became uh, very comfortable <laughs> being, uh, being queer and being out in public and being an advocate. And, you know, I, I have no regrets, no regrets about that. What, what I would say to that is once we get involved that very first time, we also find our own footing 
you know, I'm going to use Glad as an example. So I lived in Southern California area. I mean, we, we, my husband and I were involved in lots of different things, but not at like in huge ways, but we volunteered to check people in at the Glad Awards one time. You know, mm-hmm. I went to a couple of luncheons where, you know, I paid my price to be at the luncheon and, you know, I laid down a hundred bucks. Okay. That's, that's the best I could do, but it didn't mean, oh, he's not, he's not the A-list gay who has millions to give. It's just the way it is. Right. But also by being in those spaces and like, you know, I donated like 50 of my books at one point, like here, here's 50 books, go, go sell them, make whatever you want to make off them. You know, sometimes it's just these simple things and anybody listening and no, you don't have to have a book, you know, you don't have to have a podcast, but I agree with you, Fran. One of the things I feel most proud of about this pot or this podcast and my other podcast is it's an avenue into hearing the voices. Mm-hmm. And especially now that I took life on closet and opened the doorway to where we're telling lots of coming out stories. We're talking to people coming out of cancer and people mm-hmm. surviving bombs and, you know, people who have had lost their legs and all this sort of stuff. It's like, guess what? We're all in this together. We're all coming out of closets. And I never, I never miss an opportunity, even when I'm telling those stories like, well, but here's where it's interesting. Here's the parallel to coming out of the closet as an LGBTQ person, because I want the people to see we're not that much different. Mm-hmm. We're not really different. We're actually all in the same space. It's just y'all try to make it different. For all y'all yeah. Bamans who are listening, I'm talking <laughs> your language now. Just say it. <laughs> you don't yeah. have an accent. I noticed that. It's like, no, I don't. I don't. Did I, you take the pill? Not, like, did you like not get a it removed? Very interesting, yeah, there's not a very interesting story. I'm a mimic uh, and I can do accents and. Uh-huh. So when I moved to Chicago and uh, realized that my accent was stronger than I wanted it to be, I just changed it. Um, Sometimes I regret it because I listen to my friends and family from back home and I'm just like, it's darling, but it's not my accent anymore. Uh, So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, I I definitely, I mean, being from Alabama is a big part of my identity, uh, but I don't have the accent. Um, just like you said, you can walk down the street and no one will know that you're gay unless you speak. Uh, you know, nobody knows I'm from Alabama unless I tell them. Um, but I think it's important, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've got we've, we've had some pretty bad laws passed in Alabama this year. And I've been really vocal. I, you know, put an op ed in my local hometown newspaper and, you know, called my legislators like I still own uh, a home in Alabama. So, you know, I just I I feel like they need to to hear from us. Um yeah. And I think, you know, that, that, that goes to one thing that, you know, I didn't say, I, I've said how easy it is to get involved in advocacy. Like you can just sign up for emails or you can just donate or volunteer right. once or twice. There are other things you can do as well that I think could be even more meaningful. And so I don't want to discount the fact that there are people who go all in. And one of the things that we need um, really more than anything is for queer people to run for office. Um, you know, so if that's something that you've ever thought about doing, Uh, I think that everyone should really consider it because there are people out there at all levels of office, whether it's the school board, the parks commission, um, the housing commission, who are not taking our community's needs into account at best and at worst are actively trying to take away our rights. And so, you know, if if there are folks out there who think maybe I shouldn't do it, nope, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. You heard it. This is the time, folks. Get your ass out there. Well, get out there and enjoy pride, too. But um, it is one of those. And, and again, 
this is not like everybody needs to go run for office. There's you bring yourself to the best possible space, you know, and everybody's like, you should run for office. I'm like, hell no, <laughs> but I'll sure talk about shit on these podcasts. Like it, this is my voice. I couldn't do office. Cause I'd be, I'd be pissed off all the time and then I have a heart attack. <laughs> so it's just, but it's interesting because I have a lot of people in my world who actively go for those and they get frustrated and they're like, well, I tried though. I'm like, well, as long as we're trying, because as long as we show up, even if we don't win, it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't get rid of us folks. We're everywhere. I hate to say that, you know, we have a couple of friends who own a business here in, in, in our small town and, you know, two gay business owners. And they're like, do you know so-and-so? Do you know? I'm like, I don't know. You guys sure know all the gays in town who own businesses. And they're like, well, why don't you guys know? I'm like, well, because I work here. Here's my office right here. This little house. I don't exit it very often to go, you know? And it's interesting because there's so many gay business owners in this town for as small as it is, there's a lot. And I never have taken that for granted. You know, when I lived in the LA area, it's like, okay, yeah, there's tons of us around there. But, right. you know, the more I start talking to them and seeing who's there and I'm like, we're represented, not, not huge, but there's definitely representation here, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the thing is, as long as we keep representing, mm-hmm. it's yeah. pretty hard to hide us. The minute yeah. we stop representing, they've won the battle. Yeah. And I think that like, it's so key. I mentioned running for office and voting so much because I think that that's the only way we're going to get through this because, um, you know, there are so many people right now who are, like I said, attacking our community legislatively. I mean, this is like our organization. We have uh, 42 members um, across the country. Almost all of them are fighting these anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ bills. Um, we actually, you know, we're, we're not a huge organization. We're 15 staff, um, but we managed to raise about 800,000 extra or, you know, dollars more than we normally raise uh, just to support our state, our state groups who are working on these anti-trans bills because, and I, and I'll be honest with you, it's not enough, right? So Mm -hmm. we ended up investing about a million dollars in resources in these, um, in these legislative sessions this year, which is way more than we normally do. But it's not enough because there's no number of dollars that is going to change the hearts and minds of these legislators. So we have got to get active. We've got to get registered to vote. Um, we've got to get out there and vote. And we've got to support candidates who support our community. Um, you know, I think that's the most important. If you're at Pride and you see somebody doing voter registration, get get there, ch- check and make sure your voter registration is up to date. Register if yep. you haven't already. Like we've got to do that because um, otherwise we're not going to win. We're, we're going to keep facing these attacks. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's yeah, just I, I, a I, simple I'm act a of voting. Honestly, <laughs> I'm a, bro- a broken record when it comes to voting for sure, yeah, but absolutely. it's so important. Well, and there's so many people, like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to vote that you can't not, there's this, I, I mean, this one, I get on my soapbox, like, you know, if you don't vote, you're part of the problem you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. And I know we have, we have within our own ranks, those that like, yes, but we're the log cabin Republicans. Okay, fine. Won't go there, but <clears throat> I get it. You all, yes, everybody has the right to do their thing, but still this sitting back and not doing anything or because your candidate's not on the ballot. I'm not, then you're just, you just wasted. You just wasted a vote. You just, yeah. you know, um, and you know, again, yes, I understand the candidate that you want, but we have to think bigger picture. We have yeah. to think the biggest. And we have to think mind. down ballot. It can't just be the presidential mm-hmm. candidate. It's got to mm-hmm. be 
all the way down to school board and yep. and oh, it, you know, it's community all, college me, commission everything yeah it's bottom up that's the way mm-hmm. i always look at bottom up you know and yeah. we've been having these conversations because you know we're already seeing all the the signs already up all over the place i'm like oh god here we go and it's <laughs> i'm just not ready for it but uh so to kind of end on a really fun note what's one of your favorite pride memories just curious oh wow you know i always talk about the fact that for so many years i had to work at every pride and so i really Mm. was not a fan of pride at all uh because it was really for me pride meant um it meant standing out in the sun with clipboards and a bunch of volunteers trying to get people to register to vote yep. or trying to get people to um, sign up for our email list about Prop 8. And so I didn't uh, I didn't really enjoy Pride that much. But I will say I have a really one really, really good memory um, of Pride. And this was when I lived um, I was living in Paris uh, for a couple of years. And there was Paris Pride, which was mm-hmm. like the big corporate uh, we called it like the vodka parade. Um, so like the big corporate parade. And then there was this other thing that was called, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, the marche, the marche de tordu. So the bent, the bent parade. Um, Uh so kind of like the queer parade. And, uh, it was the most interesting configuration of people that I had really ever seen. Uh, I, you know, I, I had, I was not too many years out of living in Alabama, and I had been to a couple of Chicago prides at that point, but uh, I had never seen that many queer people. Like, and I mean, you know, kind of culturally queer as well as just LGBT right. uh, in one place. And I just remember seeing, um, just seeing people like dressed up and in drag, and thinking like, this is these are my people. Like, these are mm-hmm. these are my folks. And I was really happy to have found that community. And I was able to to meet a bunch of people there. I got involved in like a a restaurant collective, um, oh, nice. you know, with them. Yeah. So it's been, I, I've had a couple of good pride experiences and, you know, now that I'm older and, uh, and, and not working at a state level organization, I'm really looking forward to going to, to pride this year, uh, nice. and, and actually, you know, going as a participant. Awesome. Well, happy Pride yeah. and thanks for everything happy you Pride to you. your organization does. It's so good to have this conversation. I'm glad we got yeah. to connect. And again, everyone who's listening, I mean, unless you're drunk at Pride, which listen to this later, then that's fine. We're totally <laughs> cool with that. Um, just even the littlest thing that you can do, the littlest thing. And don't look at it as littlest. Oh, that's all I can do. So it's not important. Everything is important. Everything yeah. is on the line right now. Again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh. And so, yeah, be sure to check out our website, equalityfederation.org, where you can find uh, the member group in your state. Um, you can find out about what bills are, are moving in all the states and you can find out ways to get involved. It's awesome. And thanks so much, Fran, for being part of this pride celebration conversations and really doing what you do with your organization in the world to have huge impact. So appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. 
here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.